I got an email. I got a there is a comment on the website. Oh. Not from somebody we know. So I got a comment on the website from somebody that we don't know, from a stranger. Do you want the comment first or the context first? Ugh. Can I get can I take a guess at the comment first? Sure. Some variation of please stop. No. Okay. Quite the opposite. Oh, give me the uh, give me the comment then. Okay, so the comment <clears throat> is from Anne, and oh. the comment is, "Thank you so much for this." <laughs> That's it. Is this a spam? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, because usually the spam things will be like, "Thank you so much for this. I want to pay you back by right," or like, "I make five hundred dollars a week just by sitting in my house." Right. I, w- I want to pay you back by telling you how you can make five hundred dollars right. from home. So, do you have any guess what that is in response to? Thank you so much for this. Your calendar. Nope. It is. It is. It was a comment on. A blog post I wrote in February of last year that was just a brief observation on possums and cockroaches. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to remember. It's about how possums play dead, but really cockroaches play dead because they're always like whenever you find a cockroach, it's like turned upside down, right? Oh, Oh, okay. And then as soon as you go to pick it up, it moves. Huh. That was it. Thank you so much for this. Maybe she was trying to find the podcast area and just gave up and was like, I'm <laughs> typing this wherever. I mean, wherever I am. Well, I don't know what algorithm she searched to bring up like possum and cockroaches. I don't know what she was searching for to have possibly brought up a year old blog post about that on a website that you know five people look at a week (laughs) but it made me think of when i had a tumblr i'm sure you've had this happen on tumblr it's like you mention one thing and something you write on tumblr and then so i wrote something when i was writing the bus about just the people i saw on the bus and i happened to use the word midget somebody like uh favorited it or whatever they do on tumblr and so I clicked on that person's profile, and it was just all <laughs> midget stuff. Right. <laughs> it was just like reblogs of I don't even remember, but just like like here's a picture of a little guess, person. Little person is the term, or or dwarf maybe. Little person. Little person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not too keen on my uh, little person political correctness, but it was just like all that stuff, and it's just like so weird, right? So somebody is just mm-hmm. on Tumblr. Searching in the word midget and everything they see, they're just like favorite, favorite, boom, favorite, boom. favorite, favorite, favorite. Repost, repost, yeah. repost. No, yeah, it's weird what you uh, when you use keywords. Right. Everybody has a keyword for something. I I just actually did a, a tweet <clears throat> about the band American Wrestlers. Oh really? Yeah, recommending them to somebody mm. and didn't even use them in like the proper hashtag, and they favorited my tweet. And I was like... Oh, so they're searching for their band name or whatever. Yeah, so I guess they're just searching their band name or have some kind of alert Mm -hmm. for their band name. That one makes sense. But there are a lot of other examples that don't make sense. Well, I think there was one post that wasn't even about divorce, but some guy just like 
everything on his, he has a Tumblr devoted to divorce. divorce or something. It was it was weird. Um, we I guess it was like a week ago. Um. Oh, that was the other thing. That's really what I've been watching is the playoffs, if anything. But they've been kind of boring, especially compared to last year's. I mean, mm-hmm. the matchups are good, but the well, games have been Well, it's only pretty... first round. Yeah, but the first round last year was crazy. There was a lot of upsets, and so far they've just been pretty straightforward. So anyways, like a week ago, we started... Uh, so we've been watching Bloodline slowly. I know the thing is to binge watch and whatever, but we've been watching it slowly. Part of that is just because of, you know, Julie and I's different schedules. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a lot of opportunities to sit down and actually watch something at the same time. Because you've enacted your calendar that you're living by. <laughs> right. And she's still on the standard calendar. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we sit down to watch it and I open my Netflix app so I can stream it to my TV and it says we're on episode seven, maybe, or maybe it's episode six. Uh, we, yeah, we're on episode six. So I was like, wow, we're a lot further than what I thought we were. So I start to play episode six and it's an episode ahead. Well, it starts off with the um, recap. No, Danny is oh. in the car listening to some cassette tape. Which mm-hmm. I now know what the cassette tape is, mm-hmm. but we had no context for it. And then John calls and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how are you doing after the service or whatever? And my first thought was like, service? Did the dad die in between episodes? Like, would they not have shown it? And I was like, that's weird. They didn't show us the dad dying or the service. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. I don't think we're this far yet. So we stopped the episode. And we go back one episode. So that uh, that episode starts. And that episode opens with Danny, like, packing his bags. And he looks outside and, like, he sees his dad pulling the a canoe out of the ocean or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I was like, okay, well, in the episode we just watched, he was still mumbling in the hospital. So now he's out on the beach already? That's weird. And then two minutes later, he keels over and dies. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, man, we're still an episode ahead. So we had to go. So we were actually only on episode four, I think it was. And so so that so that kind of ruined it a little bit for us. With that being said, I still like the show. I still like what I like about the show. And I still don't like what I don't like about the show. I feel like the voiceover stuff. And the flash forward stuff, it's it just is so unsettling. It just is, it just feels so out of place. And they haven't really been in, I think, episodes four or five, if that's where we're at. They, they weren't. It wasn't really in the last two episodes we watched. I think there was a brief moment in episode four, but. It also made me. Um, but so far, we really like it, and it's really good. But that mix up kind of. It was a bit of a bummer, you know what I mean? Oh, it was yeah. Like, but anyways, it made me. Uh, what I was, we were watching Survivor, and there was a commercial 
four bloodline during Survivor. Did you see that? No. Oh. I mean, I, I recording fast forward. Yeah, that's what we did. But as I was fast forwarding, I was like, oh, this is a Netflix commercial for bloodline, which I've never seen a commercial for a Netflix television show. And that kind of made me realize because there's always there's been a lot of talk on like the podcasts I listen to about like should Netflix just stick to like a traditional TV schedule and release the episodes one at a time? Should they, you know, is it is it better to just watch them all at once for them to release them all at once? And I realized like the reason they do that is not because they think it's best for their customers currently. It's because when they advertise Bloodline on TV, they can then end the trailer with sign up for Netflix and watch this entire season right now. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like Bloodline, sign up for Netflix and watch the first episode of Bloodline and then wait 13 weeks for the show yeah. to end. Yeah. So no, I, that, thought, that, I that's, thought that was interesting. Yeah, that, that's really, that's astute. I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. I mean, what kind of advertisement would it be where you're either saying like, come now that the first season's over, you can watch the whole thing. Right. Or you're either waiting Thursdays, 13 weeks for it to end. Right. Right. At two. No, it's come and watch, you know, Daredevil. Come and watch the entire season of Daredevil. Yeah. And um, the other thing that I started thinking about while watching Bloodline is watching Sam Shepard play the father. Mm -hmm. And Sam Shepard is a very accomplished actor, right? He's been an actor for decades. And he's now at a point in his career, in his life, where he's playing a ukulele. Well, no, he's playing the role of a guy. His age appropriate role is playing the role of a guy who at any moment could just <laughs> keel over and die. <laughs> I was thinking about like how weird that has to be for right, Sam Shepard. You right. know what I mean? It's like this character you're playing, like basically the family's afraid at any second, <laughs> he's just going to stop living <laughs> because he's that's how old you are. Because that could probably happen to you in real life. You know what I mean? Just like right. that's so that's such a weird thought. You walked in this room and I saw the part. <laughs> right. I was immediately terrified you could die during when this I audition. Saw you hobble into the room and grab for the wall a little bit. I thought, that's our guy. That's the guy that at any moment could just die. When you asked where you were while holding <laughs> the script in your hand, I knew we had our guy. Right. No, yeah, that's like, I thought you were going to say, like, he's gotten to the point in his life where he's like, yeah, I'll be in the show if I can play a ukulele right. and, you know, play around in the water a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'll be on the show if I can just stay on this beach and kind of do nothing. Right. Because that's right. all he really does. And he's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's great, too. But he doesn't do much. Yeah, but I, I, the show's great so far. It's, it's really good. I like it a lot. But that's really, like I said, outside of that and the playoffs that's kind of all i've been watching you know outside of twitch and whatever Ugh. youtube videos i can find Ugh. twitch that you know i'll jump on twitch every now and again to see if a new game gets released or something yeah but i really do believe i stand by i've, I've called twitch our cultural basement and it really is yeah yeah i mean it de it depends on i hate on going down there <laughs> you know what i mean I never want to spend long down there. Yeah. If I do start spending too long down there, I do start feeling like I need to get out of here. It's getting a little creepy. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You just have to. It's hard to find good 
content on Twitch. I totally agree. Well, you want to talk about good content? Sure. All yeah, right, tell well, me about Mordecai, Why don't please. we talk about Mordecai? <laughs> so I recently, I, I, you've helped me through a situation recently where basically, long story short, um, I had a little situation arise where it appeared somebody followed my wife back home. Yeah. And was attempting to get into our apartment. And um, so that happened Friday night and I was obviously on edge. So I stayed up Friday, the entire entirety of Friday night. Yeah. And in order to help me get through it while I stood vigil uh, on our couch, I watched The Gambler. Mm. I have to start there and then I'll get to Mordecai. Sure. So The Gambler was my initial, and I, I was kind of looking forward to it. It's from the director of, and I get them confused, the first Planet of the Apes films of the last two. Dawn, okay. I think, was the last one. And then, no, Rise was the last one. Right. Rise I, of the Planet of the Apes yeah, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Anyway. I didn't see either of them. Yeah, well, it was the first one. Great series, by the way. Mm-hmm. Justin, I, I recommend I, Yeah, I've heard good things about it. So... He made the first one. He didn't come back for the second one. And he went off to apparently make this movie. And The Gambler, I was, you know, Mark Wahlberg. I like Mark Wahlberg. And uh, James Toback, who made the 70s version of the film, written by William Monaghan, who wrote Mm -hmm. uh, The Departed. Mm -hmm. And I remember after watching The Departed and seeing William Monaghan's name coming up and be like, I wish I could write like that guy. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I can't remember everything he's written, but everything since then has just been derivative <laughs> and like just crappy. Right. And this is no exception. So it's probably more Martin Scorsese than it is William Monahan. Right. Exactly. Why did I why didn't I just see Scorsese and be like, oh, okay, that's why this is good. Why did I think but William Monahan? He also do one of score I thought he also did one of Scorsese's like classic movies. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, look, yeah, look, look it up. Um, and so he he wrote this remake of The Gambler starring Mark Wahlberg, and I, I was I was giving it a fair shot as John Goodman in it, and basically Mark Wahlberg plays a guy with a gambling problem, right? And it's basically like trying to be a character study of this guy. Like it's not like your standard. <clears throat> Mark Wahlberg where he's a gambler who then has to like rob the casino or something. Mm-hmm. And it opens with he's him just like a bad gambler, right? <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> he walks in, right? It, it opened. The movie opens with him walking into a casino. He goes straight to the blackjack table. He gets like $10,000 worth of chips. He walks straight to this uh, blackjack table. He puts $10,000 down mm-hmm. all in, right? He wins. He doubles his money. So you know what he does? Doubles it again. And he keeps doubling it until he loses. <laughs> and it's like the, the, the odds, sir, are that you will lose eventually. Right, yeah. So if you keep doubling down, you will lose eventually and you'll lose everything. Yeah, maybe he doesn't realize it's impossible to not win. <laughs> like, he just thinks, like, if I do this, I got to win, right? <laughs> 
if I go all in. The problem with people who gamble is that they don't go all in. If you go all in, then luck has to honor that and you have to win. That seems to be his methodology. Yeah. And he like, there's one point where he, so basically he loses everything and he turns around, goes to a gangster and he's like, give me 50,000 more dollars. And the guy's like, and the gangster's John Goodman, right? No, not not yet. Oh, not yet. Okay. It's uh, Michael K. Williams from The Wire. Oh, Omar? Omar. Uh-huh. So he goes to Omar, and Omar is basically Omar. He's not Omar in the film. But, you know, this gangster's like, right. I'll Does hurt he you. go to Michael K. Williams, and Michael Williams is like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever exactly. he whistles. <laughs> exactly. But he's like, I'm going to hurt you if you don't pay me back. And, he, and Mark Wahlberg's like, okay, whatever. And he, uh-huh. like, walks to a roulette table. All on red. <laughs> and guess what? He loses. And so now he owes all, all these people money, right? Yeah. And you're like, so basically the premise of this is that this guy doesn't understand the fundamentals of gambling. And he's in a stupid hole. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to somehow care about a guy getting out of a stupid hole because he didn't think like, well... Instead of going all in, I'll just put twenty thousand dollars in. Oh, I didn't win. Okay, well let's try this. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like all in, all in, all in. Oh, I lost. Give me more money. <laughs> and then that's like the characters. This like forced nihilism, where he's like, I don't care about anything. You know? Yeah. And anyone who tries to bail him out, there's another scene in the movie. He gets the money to bail himself out. Guess what he does with it? He immediately goes to a casino all in, and he keeps <laughs> going all in until he loses. <laughs> Like that's all he does, uh-huh. and um, and so they're they're trying to oh and and also somehow people still like him. Like I think Mark Wahlberg thinks that he is this like lout, right? But he's also kind of like lovable. That's what I was gonna ask. So it's not played as like this guy has a serious addiction. It's played as like a redemption, like Rocky, like this guy's coming back type of. thing? They're trying to be like. Look at this character who's so disaffected by the world. Uh-huh. He doesn't care about anything. And we're going to make him care about something about a, by putting a relationship, yeah. yawn, in his life that then brings him about to say, like, I care again, yeah. you know? But Doesn't he also play a professor? He plays a professor. Like, there needs to be, like, a kibosh on Mark Wahlberg playing, playing smart characters. a professor. <laughs> it's unbelievable because he's he's so unbelievable right. that's why it's unbelievable yeah. and so he's terrible as this professor who's basically like every lecture of his is all of you are terrible only one of you is good at something and you're in no control being you know good at it mm-hmm. it's all kind of either genetic it's genetic so get over it mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i'm a failed writer i don't have what it takes so again this other layered of layer of like disaffection over the world and the there are these two athletes who love him in his class because apparently he just says like you're great at tennis you're great at basketball mm-hmm. you know what i mean and none of you else are good at anything mm-hmm. you'll never be like these two guys so the tennis player and the basketball player really love him it's weird <laughs> and the basketball player has this heart to heart with him later on in the movie that's just embarrassing and and terrible and then the last thing I want to say about this and never speak of it again, I am tired of directors who have footage in their movies of a sporting event, like on TV, mm-hmm. and have clearly never watched a sporting event on TV because they have no idea how it's filmed. <laughs> you know, 
like in the basketball playoffs, how long do they settle on one shot of one player, you know, in the course of five minutes? Mm -hmm. It's a shot here, right? They have to do something. And then the shot is lingered on and it's a second and it's somewhere else. But in some films, it's just like the camera's always following this. They're shooting it like a movie. Mm-hmm. And you're like watching on TV and, and the graphics are just like the most generic, you know, because again, they can't be like real sports teams or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go for the generic bland. No one would watch this. No one would pre- pre- present, you know, a sport like this mm-hmm. on TV. Mm-hmm. It drives me crazy. Yeah. It drives me absolutely <laughs> crazy. Just make it look like you're actually shooting a real sporting event on here. Right. And then they do this long thing where, you know, the gangster has made Mark Wahlberg has bet on this game. And, you know, the gangster wants something to happen. Mark Wahlberg should have gotten this player to agree to it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like during the whole game, this cut back to him. He's going, oh, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. Like as he's scoring. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he starts missing, he's like, what is he doing? I told him to do this. What is he doing? Why is he doing this? I thought I told him to do this. Uh And he's like restating what you know he needs to do. Yeah. And you're like, oh my goodness, this, this director's clearly never watched a basketball game. And then they don't know how else to just like shoot the game. Mm -mm. So they're like, uh, just keep cutting back to the reaction of every time we show something happened on the court, just cut back to Michael K. Williams. But I told him to win by eight. Mm-hmm. It's atrocious. And then it has <laughs> this like <clears throat> lame reach at the end. John Goodman is amazing in it. I will say that. John oh, really? Goodman is really, really good in it. And literally everything else is just utter, utter crap. Hmm. And it's such a vanity project where Mark Wahlberg's like, oh, I got this character. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll make him like a lovable loser. And uh, but but really push the nihilism. But you know, I'll push through that you're supposed to root for this guy, mm-hmm. and you end up just hating this guy's guts. Yeah. And you, I literally was excited for the for the torture scenes where, <laughs> you know, he's going to be hurt. Right. Where he has to pay back his money one way or the other. With a pound of flesh, I would have right. watched that. Yeah. I would have loved for this to turn into like the Human Centipede Three <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. I would have. I. That's the only thing that could have saved this movie. Uh huh. Um, and so after that, you decided that's not enough. I need to drive the stake further. Well, yeah. So one, one thing is I stayed up all night Friday. Night. Right. So last night, then we stayed at your house the next night. Cause right. I was like, Hey, if this person wants, you know, free roam of our apartment, take it. Yeah. And so now we're back. So last night was my first night back. And again, I'm holding vigil. And one thing that helps me, like, especially when, um, you know, my son was small was and helped keep me awake. Like when I had to feed him at like 3am mm. was to watch terrible movies, Bad terrible Johnny Depp movies. Exactly. <laughs> Specifically. And boy, does he have enough of them <laughs> to, to last. He's batting a thousand in that department. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to the, um, the tourist yet, oh, yeah. but maybe that's tonight. What about, um, what was that terrible future movie he just did with the transcendence? transcendence. Oh, that kept me awake. Oh, you watched it? You've before. already watched it? Yep. See? Terrible. <laughs> so so then I last night I decided to watch Mordecai because, again, I need to be focused on, you know, my surroundings and everything and mm-hmm. just have it kind of playing. But I need something to keep me engaged or else I will fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching Mordecai. And Mordecai is 
mortifying. Who's it directed by? David Coep. He's oh yeah yeah big screenwriter and again yeah. one of those screenwriters who's just like wildly up and down. He's written some scripts he that again did, I'm like, like the Dark Knight right. Uh, I think he helped. Yeah, or and, and maybe not the he's Dark. He's worked Knight. on some of that stuff. Batman yeah. Begins maybe. Yeah, I can't I can't remember about those. But he's a big Spielberg guy. Like oh, like okay. he'll help. Like he did like uh, War of the Worlds. Now War of the well. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Not not a great script, but you know he's working with uh, Spielberg. He directed Ghost Town with um, Ricky Gervais, which I really like. Ghost Town. Hmm. Um, and he's done some low grade uh, horror movies that I actually really like. Anyway, yeah. David Coep is a. Uh, he's interesting. Oh, he also did the uh, the Bicycle Messenger movie with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Premium Rush. Oh my goodness! Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So anyway, the death becomes her. Death becomes her. That's a great movie. Exactly. At least I remember it being a great movie. So now he's doing Mordecai, mm-hmm. and Mordecai is supposed to be, and it's written by him as well. Yep. Okay. Written, directed. Right. <laughs> and it's basically, I don't know. I don't know where these projects start. Do they start with like Dark Shadows? Do they start with Johnny Depp just being like? I'm doing this character right. who who's going to direct me or if the directors are like, Hey Johnny got this crazy idea. I think you'd be good for, you know, like, like where do these start? Cause they seem to originate with Depp in some right. way. And Depp basically is like, it's a master class in eyebrow humor. <laughs> like how can you arch right. an eyebrow right. and make that funny? Yeah. And he arches his eyebrows every single way that you could imagine somebody to furrow their brow or arch an eyebrow uh, in hopes of getting a a guffaw. I don't know what they belly laugh. Right. The, the most that they're shooting for on this is like a, a titter. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like none of these jokes seem pointed to like get them where it hurts. Right. Like, you know, it's just like. Hey, if people are just kind of tittering at us, that's exactly what we want. What is the movie about? Isn't there a bird? Isn't Mordecai the name of some bird? Nope. Mordecai is a art dealer and somewhat of a lout. I think that's the second time I've used that, Uh this podcast. But basically, uh, 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 he owes back taxes, so he's about to go insolvent. Um, He also... It owes, um, because he owes his taxes, he has to work for the government on recovering this stolen picture. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? The real plot is he grew a mustache. And that and that is the biggest kind of plot <laughs> point. Uh, his wife hates the mustache. He loves his mustache. Will he shave his mustache? Wow. Only the uh, full... To our experience, we'll answer that question because I will not spoil that <laughs> uh-huh. for our listeners. You have to watch it to find out what happens to his mustache. Wow. In Over the course of the two hours, um, an art uh, a picture is found. Some people die bloodlessly. Twitter titters are, uh, mm-hmm. are not had by me, but it could have been had by some people. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. But it's it's like enough of a train wreck 
that I would watch it anytime over the gambler. See, that's what I was going to say. I don't understand how, because that would make me fall asleep more than it would keep me awake. Like, I think I, I feel like I would have to be watching a good movie to keep me awake. No, see, I find, you know, especially with good movies, I'll get too focused. And like, I'm also trying to keep an eye like yeah. on the window to see where this person came and went. Right. But, um, no, like with Mordecai, the thing is, is that you're, you're watching it and you're going, at what point did they even hit at something that would reveal to me what made them do this in the first place? Mm-hmm. And with every scene that builds, you're, you're getting more and more shocked at how atrocious, atrocious it is. And then Johnny Depp is doing this like weird accent and he has a funny look mm-hmm. like he always does. Right. And so you're just like, he's arching an eyebrow. He has a gap in his teeth. And every time you see like this gap that you forget was there, you're just reminded again, like, <laughs> what were they thinking? Who's this making is, these decisions? Who's making these decisions? Yeah. And at what point were they like, oh, you got the look, man. That's the look that we're going for. Everyone's going to look at you and just love it. Right. Ugh. And your mustache. Right. And there are just so many scenes that are just out of context that you don't know what they're going for in terms of of like mood yeah. or what they're even shooting for genre wise. It's <laughs> Is it based on a book? I I don't know. Maybe. So then I'm guessing that those are Johnny Depp's decisions. Those are his like I'm getting in the mind of this character and I'm seeing a gap in his teeth, a mustache that he really loves, which if I do say so myself, I think maybe more Johnny than it is Mordecai. Yeah. You think he brought that from his personal life? (laughs) He's like, um, yeah. So watch Mordecai over the gambler, but but don't watch either, either film. You're taking your life into your own hands. Right. All right, so you've been playing, you said you've been playing uh, Battlefield? I have. Have you gotten, is it like, is it still Battlefield? Are are you talking about like the single player or the multiplayer? Well, I am trying to play through the single player, Uh trying to get my money's worth out of this game. And the single player is is actually pretty interesting. Yeah. It's it's pretty fun. Um, But I'm sure you've heard about it. it. It does have this hilarious mechanic where you can like flash your badge and everybody will like oh, immediately right. give up. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, man. Okay. Okay. And drop their guns. But you have to kind of keep a gun trained on them. If you take too long, they'll like pick it back up. Uh-huh. But it's just, it's just funny to be like, I turn a corner. There's a guy with a machine gun. And like, as he's about to like start, I just like flash my badge. He's like, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, I don't even yeah. have my gun yeah. pointed. And so that's, that's kind of fun. The the multiplayer is so extremely difficult. Yeah. Because I feel like with games like Battlefield, they've become, you know, these kind of paragons of, you know, gaming that people have been playing for, you know, a decade now, maybe, right? right? And the mechanics are roughly the same. Yeah. And it so if you're not kind of keeping up with the Battlefield games and you're just kind of popping in and out on them like I am, then you jump into this one, you're like, Okay, what what do I do again? And you're just dead, 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 mm-hmm. dead. And so you just have to be willing to like, I'm gonna die ten times and kill one person this game. Right. But you know, I basically got because my friend, um, 
uh, got it and I like playing with them and it's, it's fun. It's fun in that, in that sense, in terms of a game, I wouldn't, I, I'm not, you know, too crazy about Mm -hmm. it, but the multiplayer actually works. Like the big deal about the last one is that it didn't, you just couldn't play on. It was so buggy and that the, there was so much, I guess, lag and stuff that the the multiplayer didn't actually work. Yeah, it's lagged a few times, but no, nothing noticeable. Mm. And um, they they do introduce some new game modes that I don't think work. Oh, like, really? Yeah, like there's one multiplayer game mode called Hotwire, where basically... That's the vehicle one? Yeah, mm. there are like four vehicles that two teams fight over. You get into one of the four vehicles, and then basically you just have to drive it around. You have to be hitting a certain speed limit. Mm-hmm. and other people are trying to wreck your car, blow you up or whatever, and you're trying to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it's like you can sit passenger seat as somebody drives you around and just like level up because you're just in the passenger <laughs> in seat, the car. you know, yeah. and uh, sitting outside your window shooting at people. But it's not even about really accomplishing anything. It's just dri- literally driving around in a circle uh-huh. until you run over a mine and blow up. And I, I just don't. Other than an easy way to like, you know, increase your stats and like level up. How do you win the match? You just stay alive. It's Whoever keeping, alive yeah, it's keeping score. Like, so if you own that car, you're getting, you know, whatever, one point for every, you know, five seconds that you're driving around. Yeah. Right. And it's just keeping like track of that. So who has, hmm. so, you know, the only strategy is who, you know, I, you may all be piled into one car. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they have the other three, you're losing, you know, so you have to kind of keep it balanced that way. Um, but it's just I don't know. I, I don't really get it. I think the other problem that that it suffers is that the maps are too small for it, you know, and you yeah. can't really make it that big. But for a racing game, a driving game, you have like you will you will be out of bounds within like four seconds of driving one way, <laughs> you know, so it's like. Why didn't you just find a way to expand the map mm-hmm. and add more elements to this game type than just getting points for for driving your car? Yeah. So that that's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're sticking with it because as long as my friend's playing it, yeah. and there's nothing else really in terms of big games. That, yeah, that, that are The out. Witcher comes out tomorrow. No, no, I think said yeah May. tomorrow. Wait. No, I'm sorry. May. That's right. May 19th. May. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to The Witcher, but that's in May. Apparently, you, you flashed forward a month. <laughs> You're so excited. Yeah, until then, I'll just be playing Destiny. Um, So I started uh, reading uh, Countdown City. Yeah. And you haven't read it, right? No, no, I want so to. So we read The Last Policeman a few years ago when it came out. The it's a Ben Winters book about there's a comet that's going to crash into Earth and kill everybody, basically. And so it's about the last few months before that. And it follows a detective police officer who becomes the detective. And so he starts investigating this alleged suicide, which he thinks is a murder. And it's pretty good. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, and then so the second and third books have sub- subsequently came out, but we, I guess, just didn't follow up on it. So I'm now starting to read uh, Countdown City, which is the second book, but 
and I don't have anything to say about it because I haven't read that much of it. But what I did do is go to the last policeman's Wikipedia page so I could refresh myself on the first book because I hadn't read it in so long. And I'm reading it and I get to like, I can't remember what section, but it's like I'm reading it and then the I, I finish one sentence <laughs> and I go to start the second sentence and it's a spoiler for the second book or even possibly the third book. It is a huge spoiler for the series that there was no lead up to whatsoever, but I caught enough of the sentence that I was pretty sure I knew uh. what happened. So I stopped reading, right? And I either closed or minimized the window. And so I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking like, well, I might as well finish that sentence. Because I'm 99% sure of what it just said, right? And I think it was a spoiler for the second book. So I go back in and I read that sentence because I have a completionist thing. I just want to complete this, this section, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I finished that sentence. Sure enough, it, it does spoil what I thought it spoiled. It is exactly what I thought it said. And then I start reading the other sentence, the sentence after that. And the sentence after that is literally the ending of the third book. And so I, <laughs> at this point, know how the series ends. I know exactly what happens at the end of the third book. And it's like, I don't know. And, you know, with that being said, I did go on to start the book but I don't know if I'm now going to be able to like get through the rest of the books. And I feel like, I don't know. Should there have been, I feel like first of all, those things shouldn't have been in the Wikipedia for the first book. You know what I mean? Like here are two giant spoilers for this series that have absolutely nothing to do with the first book outside of them being in books that are part of the same series. I mean, that's what happens when you open your information up to the public. I guess you know? so. I guess I was asking for it, but man, it was disappointing. But so far, the book's been just like the first one. Yeah, I feel like th there's something to be said. Like when you talked about the Southern Reach trilogy, like that book series seems ambitious based on what you mm -hmm. what you said. And in that sense, it's interesting. But then there's a book series like The Last Policeman which is far more identifiable in terms of its aims and its genre. Right. And the writing is just seems more solid because the, the goal is more solid and clear. Mm -hmm. The earth is ending. Here's a policeman who still cares about his job. And I'm going to tell you kind of a murder mystery wrapped up in this kind of setting mm -hmm. that I think is far more, I don't know. It's tough because it's like that question of what's better to read the more ambitious kind of book or the, or that kind of genre standard where they're maybe doing something a little different, mm -hmm. but you know, you're not going to like, it's not going to change your world, but it's going to be a well-written story. Right. You know? Yeah. I feel that's how it is a lot of times with, you know, films or books that I read where, you know, I find I'm interested in the more experimental stuff, but nothing for me beats a good, well done genre story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would take that over the experimental, you know, interesting film any day. If you just say like, 
here's the next Indiana Jones film. Right. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Right. And I don't mean Indi- I mean the next Indiana Jones series, like whatever's like it. Right. And I feel like the experimental thing, like with the Southern Reach trilogy, I feel like as far reaching and experimental as that series was, it seems to me like that is it's it's easier to write that than it would be something that may be more conventional but is done really well and is wrapped up really well to where everything makes sense. You know what I mean? I feel like it's easy to just get to the get so far in something and be like, "Well, this is the end and it's just as an open ending" because you're not having to pull together everything that you brought up throughout the expanse of whatever it was. You know, you may be like with the end of the Southern Reach trilogy, it's like, yes, I did tie up this one relationship that throughout the series wasn't even it was more of a background relationship than anything. And it became this bigger thing in the third book. But I'm leaving all these other things open ended. Whereas in the uh, last policeman series, which neither of us have finished but I know from reading the Wikipedia, <laughs> it is, it reaches a conclusion, a definitive conclusion. And I'm sh- along the way, it may wrap those things up, but that to me seems more like more of a challenge than to just, and I'm, I, they both have their merits of course. Right. But it seems more difficult to be like, I'm going to actually end this and I want to do it. Satisfactorily. Torally. It, to me, it also goes back to a book that we talked about and a show that we covered on our other podcast, The Leftovers, right. where I read that book, and that's exactly how I feel about the way that he ended it, which is he just ended it. Right. And it's like, you can you can make the philosophical claim of like, oh, that's life, and mm-hmm. oh, that's what I wanted. But as a reader, you, exactly. just, you just put a period down. Right. And then you called your agent and was like, print it. Yeah, you're just like, eh, I'm done writing this. I'm done writing this. <laughs> Next, I'm I'm ready to let's see if we can option this into a into a TV series now. Yeah. I'll expand on my ideas there. Right. But in terms of a novel, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have you been reading anything? Yes. Yeah, so I finished the uh, League of Extraordinary oh, that's right. Gentlemen. That's right. And you got me the Om- Omnibus mm-hmm. collection. Um, Alan Moore is a guy who I am fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love his writing in you know comic books. And he said, I remember in an interview that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I can't remember how he said it, but it's like some of his favorite writing right. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And basically, it's just a collection of historical, you know, fictional characters. Mm-hmm. So you have like the Invisible Man, and you have um, uh, Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. And I literally just read; I can't remember all the uh, all the people. Mm-hmm. But you basically have uh, uh, what's your name from Dracula, right? You have like all these identifiable characters. Dracula. No, not Dracula. Van Helsing. No, not Van, the 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 girl that uh, Dracula is after. I can't remember. Harper, Miss okay. Harper, I think. Mm-hmm. And I love Dracula. I I should have 
collected notes. Anyway, I had an issue with the way that Alan Moore and he he does interesting things, I think, in terms of, you know, taking well-known comic book heroes, or even villains, and kind of recasting them in a new light, a more realistic light. Mm-hmm. So he is, you know, he's written some of the, like the definitive editions of like Joker. Right. Um, like I just got that his um his comic book, um, The Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. Um and in it, it's just really dark, and all of his stuff has something to do a lot of times with sexuality. Mm-hmm. He's trying to say something about it, usually in his stories. But the Invisible Man basically gets introduced, and he's part of this team that you're like, you know, rooting for mm-hmm. in some ways, living in like an all girls uh, school harassing all the 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 <laughs> girls uh-huh. like bad harassment right not just like giggling yeah as they're changing i mean he's like attacking them yeah and they like go get him and recruit him from there and get him <laughs> out of there uh-huh. and i'm like how am i supposed to be feeling about this character <laughs> right. like hopefully that wasn't like a uh, see where he came from right. like and i don't think alan moore would would be saying that right he didn't seem like the guy who would be that clueless to be like it's not right for you know one of your heroes to come out of a <laughs> a uh group sexual assault <laughs> yeah for well, years isn't he, but isn't his whole thing uh, like the like watchmen is a whole commentary on superheroes and graphic novels right yeah isn't that like a running theme throughout most of his work i feel like well yeah yeah and i feel like it so is maybe he is making that like look you're look at who you're rooting for you're rooting for these people that are actually terrible people maybe i don't know well okay see that's what i'm saying if he was making a point like that i could maybe understand it mm-hmm. although i still find it upsetting that you know you didn't have to you didn't have to do right. that it just made me feel you know weird yeah and the way that he depicted it 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 just it just it was unsettling yeah and uh i love the idea of it because again alan moore i think has done more to affect modern day kind of cultural storytelling especially in films and definitely in graphic novels than than he's given credit for i i I especially think in films because he his historically and famously despises any right um, film adaptation, adaptation of yeah. his work, and he's usually against it. Um, but filmmakers keep trying to make his stuff because he's so influential, right? right? Um, I I just don't think that people realize like, you know, he's doing the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen decades ago, and it's this kind of Avengers. Assemb- I know Avengers even dates back, you know, b- before that, but he's doing it in this new way of just like taking these disparate characters mm-hmm. who um are darker a little more realistic and pulling from different fictional worlds which is interesting mm-hmm. so he's just kind of like taking these comic book norms and putting them in a literary you know kind of package mm-hmm. and he's dealing with you know philosophy and all this stuff and I think that he has a great, 
mind for storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I, I finally finished it and it was really, really great. It's just kind of episodic, which is something else I like where, you know, you're telling an overall story, but you will jump in and out and Mm -hmm. be like, follow in this one case as they solve this. Yeah. And then they'll go back to their larger case. And it's just so much that you recognize in modern day storytelling. You're like, oh, this and that and that. And you realize Alan Moore maybe wasn't inventing it, but he was reinventing it and then inspiring basically everybody that's that's out there now. Mm-hmm. I think who's writing interesting stuff will at some point be like, yeah, Alan Moore is, you know, pretty influential. Yeah. So I'd uh, recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been interested to read it, but... I wasn't a huge fan of Watchmen. Really? I mean, it's good, but I I think part of it, too, is I'm just not in that world enough to get all of the nuance of the book. You know what I mean? I mean, Watchmen, I grew up reading some comic books, mm-hmm. but I really, I fell away from comics for a while. Yeah. And Watchmen was the first kind of, you know, graphic novel I, I read. Yeah. And it... It blew me away. Like, I didn't know you could do that with graphic novels. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. I love watching All right, so let's talk about uh, recommendations. Okay. So, last week you recommended 80 Days? Yes. Right? Because it's around the world in 80 Days. Uh, which I is love Jules Verne. A mobile game. You've read the book? Yes. It's good. Yeah, Jules Verne has an interesting writing style. There's some things to dislike in it, but mm-hmm. ultimately I like them, yeah. Yeah. So I played it. I've played it, I think, when it first came out uh, because it got a lot of acclaim when it first came out, but I only played it for a little bit. And I played it a little bit longer this time, and we talked about it some, but I feel like I think the problem with it and this is something you brought up when we talked about it is there's not a lot of feedback maybe like you just don't really know why you're doing what you're doing or what what you're doing is doing for you you know i mean it feels like there's not enough um i guess feedback is the word i'm looking for it just feels like there's not enough kind of information given to you right. of of what's going on you're just kind of it's a basically like a choose your own adventure thing but you're not really sure why this is happening or why one thing is happening over another you know what i mean right. why you're being given the choices you're being given and what those choices are doing for you right and and you're basically the valet for uh um oh my goodness i'm losing all my names tonight for the lead character of Around the World in 80 Days. Well, I had no Mr. idea. I, I, I forgot his name, but, but you're basically his manservant. Right. And, you know, you are trying to get him around the world in 80 days. And he has a health bar that you have to be mindful of. And you're trying to find new routes to go in and you're encountering difficulties. But to me, all the encounters lacked personality. Mm-hmm. Like, you're somewhat of a ladies' man, I guess, but also the game isn't pushing boundaries, so it's not about you having like 
trysts and, mm-hmm. you know, like hooking up. You're just kind of like talking, I guess, kind of flirting with this person. And then you get a little notification. It's like, you're suave. And right. it's like, okay. But you don't <laughs> really know yeah. right what that's affecting and, right. and what that's doing. And I'm sure it is affecting the storytelling in some way. But I basically just kept going from one encounter to another to another and not really hitting any like interesting or exciting roadblocks and kind of there's some things I didn't know what to say, but for the large part, I kind of, when it gives you a choice, I'm like, well, I guess, you know, if I say this and sure enough, it kind of, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what I was trying to say too. It doesn't give you a good idea of like the bigger picture. Right. You don't have a good idea of how these decisions are affecting what's happening. You don't even really have a good idea of how the, route you're taking is affecting your trip around the world it just kind of feels like an arbitrary choice of well i'm just gonna go here over these other two places north or south right so it's just kind of like but it's definitely an interesting concept and i feel like it could be done very well have you run into any difficulties in your play have you run out of money or have Mm -hmm. you run into any like see i haven't either i haven't really encountered a challenge that I couldn't just sit there and be like, well, I guess I'm hanging out here for a few days and waiting for money Yeah, to go into the bank or whatever. Yeah. All right. So I have two recommendations for you. Um, although the, this first one is more of a, uh, idea for next week's show than it is a recommendation. Okay. But the first one is the verge today released a, uh, like a summer movie breakdown oh, okay. list, whatever. Just see, these are all the movies coming out for the summer. And I thought we could, if you looked at that, watch the trailers. It's some of the trailers. I didn't watch all of them. And then we could just sort of talk about the movies that are coming out for the summer, what we're excited yeah. about. Yeah, I'd like that. Uh, so that's the first one. And then the recommendation recommendation is Polygon released... Uh, a brief story is not very good. The writing and like the reporting itself isn't that great because it's, it doesn't really go in depth, but it's interesting about Alan Wake two and what happened to Alan Wake, the Alan Wake series. But the story, what is interesting about it to me is the story, uh, includes a video of a prototype that they made for Alan Wake 2 and it includes like pop-up video style bubbles that show up that are like commentary from the Polygon staff but also commentary from the Remedy staff from the Remedy uh from the developers saying like this is what we're trying to do with this and I know that you're a big fan of Alan Wake right I do and I liked Alan it a lot Wake. too um so that's my recommendation okay so I, I'm I'm sorry because I was looking at something too. Are they so? Are they making Alan Wake two or is no. it now? It's so, so now it's it's completely dead. It's not completely dead, but they are not currently working on it. And so that's it, kind of what the article is about okay. too. But the the problem I had with the it's not a problem with the article because it's not what they were doing. The article itself is just kind of like it's more of a, I felt like it was more of a outline of how of what happened to Alan Wake than it was like an actual like in-depth we interviewed these people this is what happened to the development of it you know what i mean 
it's not that in depth. It's just more of a, it, it just felt like remedy gave us this prototype video for Alan Wake two. So let's do a longer than brief write up on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, we got this uh, information. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. Um, let's turn into this. Right. Okay. But it's interesting. The video is interesting. And like I said, because I know we both liked Alan Wake, I thought it would be neat to watch. All right. Uh, so that's it. You have been listening to Everything is Interesting. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. Uh, if you want to know more about the show, you can check out our show notes. We'll have links to everything in the show notes. Uh, links to the music used in the show will be in the show notes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Z's. I'm still at Things Come Right. I need yeah. to. I need to remedy that. And you've uh, you've been getting some uh, some tweets in, right? Doing some work on Twitter. I I am. <laughs> a, lo- a lot of it has been in response to Colin Quinn. So oh really? You, so you may want to follow him if you really right. want to unlock the secrets of my Twitter. Right. But yeah. Yeah. All right. And if you have any uh, questions or any suggestions, you can email me. My email is also in the show notes. Everything you need will be in the show notes in whatever app you're listening to this on or whatever you're listening to this on. Look in the show notes or the description or whatever, the accompanying text for the podcast, and it'll be in there. Or you can go to brownbluewhite.com and then go to the podcast page. You can read about It'll his be there uh, too. possums and cockroaches. Right, yeah. And write, leave a little comment about how life-changing it was. <laughs> right. Thank me for some weird observation I made over a year ago. Uh, so that's it. We will see you next week. <laughs>